This is the Can Crushers Wrestling Podcast. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Let's go nuts! It's Jimmy Nuts! Five out of the door! With your host, Mark Martinez. Because I'm the Mark. And I'm awesome! The Guru. Today I'm going to break it down for all you simpleton sweat hogs listening out there in Can Crusher Nation. I don't mean to come out here week after week and toot my own horn, but toot, toot. And the English Professor. It is I, the English Professor from the County of Kings, speaking the English of the Queen. Hey, this is former WWE superstar Duke, the Dumpster Drossy, and you are listening to the Can Crushers Podcast. And welcome to another Can Crushers Wrestling Podcast. It's spotlight time, and you know I'm excited about that. As you guys can see from the thumbnail, this one's been one that we have been wanting to talk about for a long time. Oh yeah, by the way, this is pretty important, so my sidekick's here for... Is it 10 times now in a row? I don't know. I've lost track. Something like that. Yeah, I'm racking up the points. I Honestly, I don't mind you forgetting about me there for a second because um, we're talking to Sam Houston today. That's pretty exciting stuff. It is, John. So many stories about Sam Houston. And I'll ruin it. This one is this one's for mom. This one's for mom. Number two for mom, if we ever get to talk to Magnum, Sam Houston was one of mom's favorites. She, she had a little crush on him. Oh, that's cute. Uh, it's, you were supposed to say cool. Not that that's cool. This is a wrestling podcast. Sorry. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do. Mom got to see Sam Houston. So did you. We saw him in Dubois like 35 years ago or something like that. He wrestled Bret Hart. Why, why didn't we go together that night? I don't know. I just remember... Um, so my birthday was in a few days, you know, a few days after that. And, uh, our friend, Pat Lapino, his mother worked at my mom's pizzeria and she got tickets for us. Um, and then I, I remember, you know, asking Pat, Jen, I wonder if Mark's here. And of course you, you had better seats. We, we looked up and saw you a few rows of course. in front of us. Yeah. Helen always pulling the punches or pulling. Yeah. yeah, that's sure. Making things happen. Making yeah. things happen. So, yeah, so many memories of Sam. Um, talk about Dusty, talk about Magnum, the Horseman. There's just so many paths that we can go with him in professional wrestling. I'm excited. Yeah, same here. Absolutely, I am too. Um, so why don't we get him on the phone? Uh, but first, before we do that, uh, let's talk a little bit about collar and elbow. Hats, hoodies, tees, eye patches, vests, masks. I guess we don't need masks that much longer. So no, we'll, we'll just go from there. Hopefully not. Yeah, yeah, hopefully not. And we have an awesome promo code that when you buy this amazing apparel that you save money. What's the promo code? It's very easy to remember, listeners. It is Can Crushers. Capital C and Can, capital C and Crushers. Spell it all as one word, and you'll save some dough, Mark. About how much? Well, not about how much. Exactly how much? 10%. 10%. Exactly 10%. Which, as we always say, works out to be about what? Shipping and or parking. Right. So yeah. if you hate paying shipping, that 10% kind of adds up to shipping. But if you hate paying parking, you pay the shipping on this order, and then you can just tell yourself later on that 
Al paid for my parking for me. Oh, Al Snow? This one that's coming up right now? That, the very same. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. And welcome back, Can Crushers listeners. <coughs> we just heard from Al Snow over at Collar and Elbow, uh, makers of hats, hoodies, T-shirts, pants, uh, you name it. Al Snow makes it great wrestling gear. Uh, and as promised, we have on the line with us now Sam Houston. Uh, Sam Houston, thanks so, so much for joining the Can Crushers this evening. Well, hey, John, thanks for having me, man. You know, uh, anytime I can get a, get the opportunity to get uh, reach out to the fans, I like to because, you know, my job in life is to help people. You know, uh, I've been through a lot. We, we we were discussing part of my story right before we went, went on, on the air. And my my uh, the my main um, my main concern in life is to make sure that as many people hear the word and are and are saved as I can possibly get to hear, you know, because it's all about it. It's not about this earth. It's about your eternal salvation. You know, and everything you do here now, everything you I'm saying that, let me say this. I've had an incredible life. I've flown across the sky on the edge of a lightning bolt. I've opened up for the who I was almost eaten by cannibals twice um, I, I've had an incredible life. I've been around the world eight times. Uh, uh, so I, I, I stepped in the ring with just about everybody that was anybody in my lifetime. I wrestled, you know, I've wrestled, in, I've been in the ring with three generations of uh, the Samoan dynasty. Three generations. Wow. You know? That's amazing. You know? That's what, that's a great intro. How could we even top an intro that you just gave yourself? You can tell that you're yeah. in business. Well, listen, my baby, then you're going to hear about the tale of the next boss of Sam Houston and Dusty Rhodes. See, baby, we ride across the sky on the edge of a lightning bolt. You know? Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. You think that's Dusty Rhodes? That was amazing. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I got, I, uh, you know, Dusty broke me in when I was, uh, uh, in 83, when I was ready to break in and my, my dad wasn't going to help me break in because I, the year before it I had my tonsils take, taken out and I flatlined on the table and I was dead for two minutes and I didn't eat food that year. From, uh, I was in a coma for two weeks when they resuscitated me. I didn't eat food from April the 1st to August the 13th that year. I lost over 100 pounds, 102 pounds. And uh, it took me a whole nother year to get my GED and get get back in shape. And then I uh, worked out with George Weingroff a couple times. And when he told me, he said, he's ready. And my dad said, no, but I already lost you once. And he said, uh, this business is not for you. So I talked to Dusty Rhodes one night. 
in New Orleans, and my dad had given Dusty his big break. Dusty was going home to retire in 1969, and my dad gave him his big break at the Sportatorium in Dallas on his way home to Austin to be a plumber. And uh, a couple of years later, the American Dream was born down in Florida. So, you know, to return the favor, I think Dusty kind of, he helped me. Because he, you know, he knew the passion of my heart. He watched me grow up. You know, did your did your dad um, ever have ill will saying saying that to you? You know, you're not getting into the business, and then you go over and get into well, business anyway. No, what happened was uh, I, I left home. You know, uh, Dusty had given me a starting date of September 13th. Well, I went. I left. You know, uh, and. Uh, I got down to Florida and I told him I didn't want to wrestle under my name. I didn't want to be like, you know, other wrestling families where second generation guys get a, you know, a, an early break because there's somebody's kid or whatever. I wanted to earn it on my own. And, uh, that's what I did. Um, I went, Oh, thank you. Uh, I went to, uh, uh, Florida. He changed my name to Michael Sam Houston. And, uh, that Tuesday night, Sam Houston was born in Tampa, Florida, ironically, the same place that Michael Smith was born. And then I wrestled in Florida for three months, didn't have very much contact with home. But I went home for Christmas, and I was at my mom's house, and my dad came over, and he said, Hey, can I talk to you outside for a minute, Sam? I was like, Oh, no, he knows. <laughs> And he said, son, he goes, I'm the matchmaker for Watts. He said, all these people are sending, you know, all these people send me all these pictures all the time. He said, imagine what I think when I see their pictures of my own son. He said, well, I've I've talked to Dusty. He said, you're really doing good. He goes, me and Bill want you to come home and work here. And I said, no, dad, I'm not going to come home until I'm a main eventer everywhere else first. You know, and that's what I did. Um, I won titles for the NWA. I was on top in central states. I was on top in, uh, uh, you know, in, in mid Atlantic. So I earned my stripes and then I went home that way. Nobody could contest it with, if I was worthy or not. Right. You know, right. you know, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, let's see in three, three months, I ended up being, uh, first runner-up for the Rookie of the Year, I think, that year. I think Mike Mike Von Erich won it. But, you know, but I, I was given I was given unbelievable – or not, I wasn't given. I earned unbelievable opportunities. I earned the right to work every night, you know, because I always went out there and I gave it all I had. You know, and then when I went to the Carolinas in 84, about starved to death here until Dusty and them came in. And blew the territory wide open. Yeah. So, so when you're the next time your father, you know, would run into Dusty Rhodes, was he thankful that he trained you? Or was there any animosity that he's well, nobody, you know, that, that's, that's, that's <laughs> no, there was no, because my dad was actually told me at Christmas time, he said, I'm proud of you, you know, nice. right? Because I didn't just take it, oh no, he, you know, they say I can't do this. Well. You know, I did it anyway. Right. <laughs> you know, pe- people and Jake says it to everybody says I walk a different path. And I guess I do. You know, the same thing that drives other people is not what drives me. So, 
you know, um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I, 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 I don't know. I have a different, oh, I know all things are possible. I've been, you know, partially paralyzed twice, and I'm still getting in the ring and wrestling. And I was in the ring uh, last Tuesday night uh, over at uh, this wrestling gym working out with my uh, son-in-law, Bosworth, and believe it or not, Arn Anderson's kid, uh, Brock. You know, so I showed him, showed him some pointers, taught Brock how to uh, throw an, a really good deep arm drag, you know, because <clears throat> uh, you don't see guys that know how to wrestle anymore. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for coming out and saying <laughs> that. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, Art, you, you know, and, and Brock, I mean, yeah, Arn, Arn uh, I don't have any animosity or towards anybody as far as I'm concerned, but I want to help this kid out, you know. I told Arn the other day, I said, you know, he's about the same age as, as you were when I first met you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know. So, but I was happy to help him out. And I'm happy to go down to that gym, getting back in shape. I'm wrestling in, uh, at the gathering in Charlotte in uh, the end of July. And I want to make sure I give the people 110% of everything I got. John, that's a trip that we should make. We should definitely Y'all definitely should make it, man. Y'all get to come and uh, if you want to, because I got some great ideas. You know, I've been building this bunkhouse. It's like a, a set. I don't know if you checked into, into Sam Houston Fan Nation, but I'd, I'd like to get all your listeners or everybody listening to go ahead and come and join the nation. You know, uh, uh, my my uh, my fiance is doing a heck of a job running running it and she's getting me on to doing the interviews. We're asking a trivia question once a week and I'm sending out autograph posters. Um, but it'll be a, a, a thing that, you know, the fans, cause I, I'm at 5,000 friends on the Facebook, you know, page. And so now I, I'm a public figure. So anybody that wants to like check it out or whatever, um, uh, first of all, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't be, you know, mad that I'm a conservative, but I tell you what, I'll draw a line in the dirt and I'll stand and fight on that line. I ain't no crybaby. <laughs> so, nice. but uh, anybody, anybody can look at my page because uh, I'm a public figure, and that's under Michael Sam Houston. And then, uh, but you can, uh, everybody else can follow me on Sam Houston Fan Nation. We've got two YouTube channels. I don't know too much about yet, but we'll get that information out there to everybody. Um, just a lot of great things, you know. Um, um, oh, I've been blessed to, to to have skills, carpentry skills and everything, and I've been helping out a whole lot of disabled people uh, through all this COVID uh, BS and all that stuff. Uh, can you call it BS? Oh, you can, uh, I won't get, you can say whatever you want to on this because you normally we're drinking beer and swearing all the time, Sam. So you're okay, good. that's cool. This, this is open yeah, I don't, you know, I yeah, I ain't buying any of this COVID crap or none of that stuff. And then you know, and I'm not saying that the people that do are fools or anything like that because I'm not going to trash talk anybody. Um, but if you feel like you need the vaccine, go get you one. You know, because um, I hear now that the if you and if your report employer requires you to have one to work and you get one and you have a side effect that kills you or something like that, then your family gets a payoff. 
So, I mean, if you want it, go get it. If you don't want it, leave us alone, but don't. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You know, we've got a, we've got Mark and I have a bunch of wrestling questions we want to get to. Sure. Let's no, let, let's stick to what you said. Um, sort of in the, in the introduction here, Sam, your mission uh, at this point in your life is to lead people towards a certain path, you know, path yes. of righteousness. What happened? Uh, what was that moment for you where you said, this is the path that I need? And why, why didn't you maybe see that, you know, years before? Okay. Uh, oh gosh, because I was blind, you know, I was blind by alcohol. The same thing that was, that was curing all my ailments, you know, the mental, the physical, uh, the, the emotional, the same thing was, that was curing and giving me relief was also causing the pain in the first place. And I couldn't see that. Now I was 12 years old, you know, and in a Baptist church, I walked down the aisle and gave my life to Christ. And, but, you know, then it's for, you know, the Krispy Kreme donuts at the end of the aisle. Cause you know, once you go through the line, you get donuts. Again. So you don't really know what's going on. And then, then uh, when I went to go have my surgery, uh, yeah, I w- we went to church and things like that. And, you know, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, you know, that's good for Sundays for an hour. And that's supposed to get you by for a week. Well, um, one night in the 90s, I guess, oh, gosh, it was uh, the mid-90s. And my aunt lived across the street from the church I attend in uh, Whitesboro, Texas. But I wasn't attending church. I was a drunk. You know, and I seen everybody and I was, my heart was full of pain. I was, I was hurt inside, inside and outside physically too, you know? And because I, 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 I was trying to come back from career ending injuries, you know, and I seen everybody going into the church and boy, they was happy and everything. And then I seen them coming out and they were still all happy and full of the, you know, the joy and the spirit. And I went over there and I talked, talked to, uh, brother joe patterson that night you know and he said some stuff to me he said you're bigger than whitesboro texas and you know he said a few things that i I didn't understand what he was talking about at the time you know but you know he saved me and and he led me to christ and i started but i wasn't ready to give up who i was yet you know what i mean Sure. I'm Sam Houston. I'm the party animal. I can drink anybody, you know, out drink anybody, out wrestle, out do this, out do that. You know, I could do it all. So, or that's how you felt. Um, so, anyway, I saw so I was still living as me, you know. And then, uh, oh gosh, in uh, uh, that went on for years. Uh, then in 2009, I got pulled over. Uh, won't go into all the. Well, I had an argument with a girlfriend. I was on my way to the halfway house. Didn't turn my blinker on, and had one drink. Uh, and I'd had a couple of uh, DWIs in Louisiana, two DWIs before. I hadn't had a drink. Well, I had the one drink going to the halfway house, and got pulled over for an improper lane change. They smelled the alcohol on me. Uh, they told me, they said, well, uh, they didn't have probable cause to arrest me for a DWI, but they put me in, you know, they locked me up and I bailed out. Now I, I went to, uh, I checked myself into Cinecore, which is a very, very, uh, rigorous 
two-year-long rehab program. And I was there three months to the day. I go to court to to pay a ticket for an improper lane change. They threw that out and hit me with fourth offense DWI. I told the district attorney, I said, I haven't have ever been convicted of a third offense DWI. And he told me if I have to redo the paperwork, he was going to hit me with the Habitual Offender Act, and I would do uh, I would spend the rest of my life in jail. He'd give me thirty years. Oh my God. You know, so you're faced with that decision. And so they're going to give me a little bit of time to think about it because I'm a professional wrestler. They put me on murderer's row. It's like uh, L wing or something, Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge, Paris. It's, it's the worst of the worst, the worst of the worst of the worst individuals. And you're in there with 40, you know, 39 other guys. I've seen stabbings in there. I've seen it all. You know, um, I had a, a few altercations, uh, this one guy come in and was telling my cellmate what he did to a little girl, and I went. I hit him so hard, I had, I had my my hands around the guy's throat, and I was gonna make him breathe no more, you know. Uh, and then I got six guards on me, beating me off with sticks, you know. But the second night I was in there, I was like, I can't live like this. And I I, I slipped my bed sheet up and and uh, braided it together. Made two nooses, ran them through the bars, tied them real good and tight. Now, I tie knots offshore. I can tie a knot, you know. Uh, I've got all the credentials, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I put this, uh, I put the nooses over my head, and I got on the top rack, which is only five foot, four inches off the ground. So I had the, the nooses through the top of the bars to where it would snap my neck. When I jumped, I said, God, only you can stop this now. And I jumped. I hit the ground so hard, the soles of my feet were bruised for weeks. Both those knots broke. They didn't rip. They didn't tear. I carry a piece of that sheet with me now because when I'm feeling bad or something, I look to look back at the worst time in my life and I look where I'm at now. And I'm going to tell you something. If, 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 if you have faith in yourself, if you have faith in the sun, you know, um, your life will get better. I mean, I get blessed every day. It's just being able to be able to uh, recognize your blessings. I made a promise that night when I hit the ground. I promised God um, that I wouldn't try to hurt myself anymore. And I promised that I was going to try to do the best I could to to every day be better than I was the day before. You know, five days later, they came. They chained me up. They took me to the chaplain's office. They said, your mom's dead. You can use the telephone. I called home, and, and Rob and my sister uh, took the call, and they arranged for me to go to my mom's funeral in chains. When they brought me back, they took the chains off, and they dropped to my knees that day. Now, I hadn't drank since uh, the last time. It had been August the 28th of 2009. So I'm coming up on my 12 years. Now... That's the last day I drank. My sober day would be the August 29th when I made my decision to go into center court. Um, but I, I got down on my knees that night and I prayed 
I prayed to, to God, to Yahweh, through the Son Yeshua, which people call Jesus Christ. If you go back in Greek, it's Yeshua. I prayed through him to Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, our Almighty. I prayed to him. I said, you have all power. I said, please, I never want to drink again. And I promised that promise uh, for my daughters because I didn't want them to do the same pain that I was going through over losing my mom. I hate to say that it took the, the death of my mom to make me strong enough to fight my evils, but it did. You know? Sam, thank you I could do all kind story. of I can do all kind of stuff, but I I wasn't strong enough. So I, I I know about people's addictions. I had like I said, you got to draw a line in the dirt. You got to look at and you got to get real. You go, this is where I'm gonna stand, and this is where I'm gonna fight, and if need be, this is where I'm gonna die. You know, in prison, anytime anytime you you get in, into any type of altercation. It could that could be it, you know. Um, uh, well, in one one place, uh, the first place they sent me to was Tinsaw uh, Maximum Security uh, Disciplinary Camp in Waterproof, Louisiana. <laughs> anyway, I was there. There were we had two to five fights a night. Every night, we were getting pepper sprayed every day. They were coming in the door, and there were 96 people in there. There was 80, what, there was 11 white guys, two Mexicans, and everybody else was black, you know? Um, and you had the, 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 the people running the dope in. You had, you had it all going on, you know? Um, and like I said, uh, well, immediately when I got there, I, you know, my size helped me. I didn't get in any altercations at that place because nobody knew who I was for about seven months. And then it was against three guys one night. I told my Bible study guys not to get involved, just make sure nobody stabs me or hits me in the back of the head with a lock. Because that's what they do. They put a, uh, a lock, combination lock on a shoestring or a piece of plastic made into a shoestring. And they whip it around, and then they nail you in the back of the head. I've seen a lot of people get took out like that. Wow. You know, it's, it's nothing funny, you know. I mean, I, I, I want to do this interview series. I want to, you know, these I, – I get hit with so many people's uh, crap. Like this one, one, oh, well, we want to do a docu-series. We want to do a docu-drama. We want to do this. We want to do that. Well, let's do it. I'm right here. Let me talk about it, you know? Right. Uh, but nobody wants to do it. So I've got all the equipment to do it myself with now. And we're going to get get it out there. We're going to get the story out to the people. You know, th there's been interviews that other family members have made and this, that, and the other. I did not live those family members' lives, so I can't speak on that. But, you know, from what I'm hearing and what's coming up, I'm really not... I'm I'm getting preparing myself. It's, I'm not gonna like what I hear. I'm understanding, but yeah. then again, it's not me. All right. That yeah, that that that's your own life. I love how you said that. You didn't live your dad, your brother, your sisters. You know, any ex, no. any life. You lived your life. 
And I tell you what, sometimes it was great. <laughs> seems it. It seems it. No. Look, I got to tell you, okay, the first time I met Andre the Giant, me and Robin, uh, we come home from school. And, you know, we're, we're, we're like, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 years old. I'm 10 or 11 years old, something. And Andre had come in to be my dad's tag team partner for two weeks, you know, the world's tallest tag team. Cause he, uh, so anyway, I was going to get to go to the matches with him that night in the Shreveport for the TV taping. Well, <laughs> my, uh, when Robin and I get home from school, we're all happy because mom had made our, our favorite chicken fried steak, rice and gravy, you know, peas and corn and the whole nine yards. Now, so we can't wait to get home. We get home and there's no food left. Andre the Giant had eaten 22 pieces of chicken fried steak. He cleaned out everything. So my mom made Andre buy us Burger King. So now me, dad, and Andre get in the car and we drive to Lafayette. We go to the matches, you know, and everything. So after the matches were over, dad, uh, dad stops and dad drank, would get a bottle of wine you know, and drink a bottle of wine. So dad stops at the convenience store and he says, well, Andre, he goes, would you like a beer? You know, cause come on, all the, everybody knows that the boys drank you know, on the road. So he said, would you like a beer? And Andre said, yes, two, please. Well, my dad gets in the store, he gets in his magnum of wine. He goes, two beers, a big guy like that. I'll get him the whole six pack. He comes out with a six-pack, and Andre goes, I meant two cases. (laughs) (laughs) Andre goes back. Yeah, thank you. So they go, they go, uh, uh, he gets his two cases of beer and gets back in the car. Now, Dad had given me a bottle of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill. Dad had a rule. If, if, you know, and a lot of times the boys were riding with this uh, uh, DBIC or this one or that one. But, you know, uh, it would be right. So when they were talking, I, I wasn't allowed to interrupt. You know, and that's one rule I kept. Because <laughs> my dad was a stinking giant. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so anyway, uh, we get uh, out of Lafayette. And it was old back roads uh, to Alexandria. Up north to Alexandria was a 7-Eleven. Well, that's only about 85, 90 miles or something. In that 90 miles, my dad had drank his magnum of wine. Andre had drank the two cases and the six-pack. So they stop. They stop at that 7-Eleven. And Andre gets another uh, two cases of beer. And my dad gets another magnum of wine. Now, I went and I used the restroom. (laughs) And so I was good. Well, now we're driving from Shreveport, uh, uh, I mean, uh, from Alexandria to Shreveport. When we get to Natchitoches, one of the Natchitoches popo comes in behind us. Boy, and he hits his lights, and he's following, you know, he's right behind us. Well, Dad and Andre are sitting there talking and laughing and everything. They don't know this. So this guy follows us for about a minute or so. And I said, Dad, and Dad said, son, how many times have I told you that when we were talking business, not to interrupt? I was like, yes, sir. But dad and dad said, son. And when he said son like that, shut the hell up. <laughs> so, 
a few minutes go by, they still haven't noticed the cop. You know, so I go ahead and uh, speak up again. And my dad said, son, do I need to pull this car over? And I said, no, sir. And he then went, well, to think about it, you know, uh, boss, he goes, I, I, I didn't do it. I, I didn't use the restroom when we stopped at the store. And Andre goes, me neither. And my dad goes, I sure wouldn't mind stopping and checking out the other side of a sign, you know. And Andre goes, I could be too. <laughs> he said, piss. <laughs> so I pull over on a two-lane highway, you know, on the shoulder right there. And I'm in the back seat. Boy, this cop, he's out of his car. He's out of his car. He's got the ticket book and the pen in hand, and he's writing away. Boy, he's writing the license plate down in a Ford Galaxy 500, and he's writing all this stuff down. And, and he looks, and, and I'm looking at him through the, through the back window, and he looks, and he sees Dad and Andre starting to stand up, and he goes back to write for a second. Then he looks, and he sees them standing up and then standing all the way up. Oh God! And the man, the man, and especially what humor they were in, <laughs> threw his ticket book and pen in the air, went and got in his car and left. Dad and Andre Pete, Dad goes, what, what was that all about? And it's like, Dad, he'd been following us for about five minutes now. He's like, oh well, <laughs> didn't oh, wow. think nothing of it. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I mean, I, oh, gosh. We've had, and, I mean, not Andre. Uh, Wahoo McDaniels told her, I was with him one night. He told a policeman in Rockingham that he had the uh, red light hung too high. He couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke, we uh, signed a couple of autograph pictures. We signed some autograph pictures. <laughs> we spoke with Scott Casey uh, about a month or two ago, John. Is that correct? About, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. And oh, okay, cool. first of all, Scott says hi. We told him we, we were going to have you on the show, so he says hi to send his love and everything. Yeah, and, please tell him I said hi. He's a great guy. And he told some Wahoo stories. Sam, I, I don't know if I knew Wahoo knew any other word besides, and I'm sorry, motherfucker. That's all yeah. I heard that Wahoo heard that he said. Yeah, well, I've known Wahoo since I was about four years old. I'd known Wahoo since I was about four years old. <laughs> and I, I got a couple of good ones. So, well, I'm four years old, and uh, we used to do uh, TV taping back then, uh, Leroy McGurk for Channel 10 in Oklahoma City at the TV station. Well, the guys had to get dressed in the news offices' rooms, you know, the big bullpen. They all, you know, sit, sit, get behind somebody else's desk, and you're but you can't get to the bathrooms and you can't get to the vending area. So Wahoo wanted a Coke and he gave me 50 cents. Well, they were only 35 cents and I kept his 15 cents for going, you know, that was kind of, but he didn't, he didn't find that fair. So like later on, when I was 15 years old, he brought that up and then he brought it up to me again later on in the business. Cause a lot of people don't know. I, I used to be the ring crew for Watts and play all the music. I was the mechanic for all the boys, just everything. And, uh, and, uh, I, you know, the guys would fly in and I'd give them a ride around and stuff. I always took care of the midgets when they came in or the girl wrestlers when they came in, you know, uh, because I, I, I worked for, for the office kind of, 
<clears throat> until I broke in. Uh, so, you know, the guys, I, that's why Dusty and I were such good friends. That's why Wahoo and I were such good friends and stuff like that. So anyway, okay. I'm, I'm working for Crockett, me and Wahoo, all Charleston, South Carolina. That building was the hottest thing in the summertime. Oh my gosh. And it should have been steamrolled over. It really should have been. I hope that it has by now. It probably just fell down. I mean, there was there was whole I mean holes in the staircase where you had to jump over, missing steps and stuff from the dressing room downstairs. Anyway, so me and Wahoo, boy, we were just so thirsty we couldn't make it to the beer store, so we stopped at this little place, this little club, went in, and there were three guys going through basic training. You know, and, and, and you already know the fear. Meanwhile, we walked in, we ordered a couple of beers apiece. We were just going down these and hit the road. So, boy, we're down that first one and everything. And the one of the kids said, something, oh, that's that fake wrestler and wrestling guy. Blah, blah, blah. And when he did, I kid you not, Wahoo went. I couldn't, I didn't even get, I couldn't even get, I wasn't fast enough to get off my stool before he'd laid them all out. Bah, bah, bah. It's like, wow, you know? So anyway, so I but I, I love Wahoo to death. So so anyway, then they Crockett has they 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 decide to put him with Tully, you know, and uh, Wahoo and Tully were gonna tag for a little bit. So Brian Adidas picked me up in Charlotte with me, and I rode to the Spartanburg with Wahoo with uh, Brian. And when I went to put my wrestling bag in, I said, hey, who's golf clubs? He said, oh, they're Chiefs. He, I went and played some golf today. I said, oh, okay. Well, just as you would have it, we get to the TV, the taping and everything, and me and Brian Adidas got to work with Wahoo and Tully, right? So the dressing rooms are side by side. There's one hallway and one door going out. But you're separate dressing rooms, but it's still the one hallway. So Wahoo and Tully were standing in the hallway and me and Brian go as we're going out to the rig. And I said, hey, Chief, I said, I'm sorry about your nine iron. I'm going to get that straightened out for you. Uh-oh. What happened? <laughs> Wahoo is an avid. He loves golfing. He got there. He was... He was chopping me so hard, and I was taking a bump and laughing. My, that is the funniest ass whipping I ever took. I laughed the whole day. No, did I just got and I got back in the back. And I told him I didn't mess with you. I, I was just playing. Yeah. But you know when it when it all came down to it, with uh, when I had like a little thing going on with Mosca that I took care of on my own. But Wahoo was right there, had my back, and I needed it. Yeah. You know. Huh? With, with you said with Mosca with, with King Kong yeah. Mosca you said? Yeah, yeah, Angelo Mosca. Yeah. Angelo Mosca wouldn't mess with guys. He was a bully, you know. Uh he wouldn't mess with guys that messed back. So one night uh he put uh combination locks on Mark Fleming. Here's a guy that works one day a week or two days a week. You know, Jordan has come out with those blue jeans. And they were 60 bucks a pair. Well, he had a pair, a pair of Jordache jeans. He, now he's got combination locks on all the belt loops. He had to cut and ruin his jeans. Then the next week, he locks Barry Horowitz's uh, duffel bag to a steel pipe. Barry was wrestling there at the, under the name Bret Hart at the time. 
So anyway, but he locked it. So I go to both of them and I say, hey, I'm going to get this guy, you know. They were like, no, no, they were scared. So I was like, okay. So I got even with him in Tazewell, Virginia. I messed with his stuff. He wanted to kill me, but I was smarter than he was. Well, and I thought it was all over with. And then we're, I'm in Asheville in the ring. So one Sunday afternoon, and what, I win my match, and I turn around to go get out of the ring, and here comes Wahoo walking up to the, to the and he's the main event. Why is he walking up in the first match? And he goes, hey, kid. He said, don't put your hat on when you get in the dressing room. He goes, Mosca, that SOB filled it up with water. I said, it's all right. It's beaver fur, chief. So, <laughs> so. We get back to the dressing room. I dump the water out. Chief Wahoo grabs his hair dryer and plugs it in right by Mosca and starts blowing the water off of my hat on the Mosca. So Mosca turns around that night in Charlotte because it was a double shot. And he tells Crockett, if I'm booked anywhere within the next two weeks, he's, he's leaving then. So he knocked me out of two weeks worth of bookings. His last night happened to be Richmond, Virginia. And, uh, <laughs> Wahoo called me that Saturday morning. He said, hey, kid, what you doing? And I said, you know, it's nothing. I've, I've been here, you know, off two weeks. He goes, well, tonight's Mosca's last night in Richmond. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, I sure would like to go. He said, well, I'm going by myself if you want to ride. And I said, like, chief, let me pick some things up and I'm coming. Oh, all right. First of all, I used to be a mechanic. You know, so I had all kinds of stuff. All right. <clears throat> we get to Richmond, Virginia. While we're in Wahoo's Bronco. He says, uh, he says, kid, let me go see what's going on, and I'll come back and tell you. I said, cool. And Wahoo went in, saw what was going on. He come back out, and he said, okay, kid, he got himself moved to the third match. So you just got from now to then. He's going to shower, and he's hitting the road to Toronto. He's trying to beat the people. I said, he ain't never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I did, you know, because we park in the tunnel down in Richmond. I'm sorry uh, for all the listeners. You park in a tunnel. And after the matches, that tunnel would fill up with however many people were there at one autographs. And, you know, you might have like 10,000 people in a, in a trying to inch their way to you it, it would it would get crazy so anyway let me tell you okay mosca comes out <laughs> well all right if you're gonna pull a rib don't just make it a one boom thing you know it needs to like yeah have follow-ups to it okay okay so now i do my business and now I'm sitting there in Wahoo's passenger seat, like laying on really down with just my eyes over the dashboard. <laughs> Mosca's a big man. I'm a very observant person. Mosca's a big man, and I know he has hip problems like my dad. So he used to get in and out of the car the same way my dad did. You have to open the door, you sit down, and then you swing both your legs in at the same time. I knew this. So I used, I had a, a Slim Jim pop lock, you know, so I had unlocked his door and spread, spread 70, 75 pounds of manure on his front seat of his uh, uh, Cadillac leather interior. Okay, so, well, he walks to the car, opens the trunk, I see his trunk is full with everything he owns. He's in a Cadillac. 
closes the trunk. He's got his towel in his hand. Boy, he comes out of that car. He comes out spitting and screaming and cussing, looking around. And then he's like seeing what it is, and he's wiping it out. And now he's like looking around and all down in that tunnel to see if he can see anything. What the hell just happened? You know, so he finally gets his uh, seat cleaned out and everything. He gets in there and he cranks his car up. And he turns the car's parked against the wall. He turns his headlights on, but the wall don't light up. So he gets <laughs> walks around and I spray painted his headlights black. <laughs> So the, the only thing he's got is a little plastic ice scraper. So he's trying to scrape the scrape his wing, uh, scrape his uh, uh, headlights off, and get enough light to where he can get out of there. He's scraping away. Oh, he's building the sweat. He's pissed and he's cussing and swearing and everything else. So he thinks he's got just about enough. Okay, so he goes back in the car. He sits down, turns it back on, cranks it. Puts his foot on the brake, puts it in reverse. The reverse lights come on the car, and the tires start spinning. But I had jacked both sides of the back end up in the air and put blocks underneath of them and let the air out of the tires all but 10 pounds. The suspension, everything he owned was in that car, so the suspension made it look like it was sitting on the ground. Anyway, lower, you know, much lower than what it, what it should be. So he's and poured oil underneath his tires. So he's <laughs> giving a gas and smoke coming everywhere. Now, what does this man do? He has a Cadillac. He, he gets out behind his car. He gets down. He looks at both sides are jacked up like that. Oh, he's mad. Everything he owns is on top of his jack and spare tire in that Cadillac. So he's got to dig everything out. He's got to put everything all around in the parking lot, you know, all around uh, and jack. So he jacks the one side up. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, no, the matches are over. <laughs> Dude, this guy was chasing after fans with a tire, and he was foaming at the mouth. He, he drove his car off of the other side of the blocks. Then he realized he only had, like, a very little bit of air. He's throwing out his shit in the car. Oh, it, was, <clears throat> it was great. So Wahoo comes out now. Wahoo comes out, gets in the Bronco. Nobody messed with Wahoo coming out of the uh out of the out of the building, he walked straight to the Bronco because everybody was over there with Mosca. I mean, Mosca, oh, it was great. Yeah, like I said, he was swinging a tire. <laughs> ah, so anyway, um, we get in the uh, uh, Wahoo gets in the in the Bronco, cranks it up, and we pull up to uh, where where Mosca is. Wahoo rolled down the window and said, "See you down the road." And I said, see ya. And I said, boy, he just started shaking. Well, I didn't see Mosca again for like four years. I started working for Vince, and he had Mosca come in and do a, a, a commentary. He was a color commentator on uh, uh, Jack right. Tunney's TV or something. 
and Moscow opens a dressing room at the Maple Leaf Guards, and I'm sitting there, and he goes, ha, 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 ha. He goes, are we okay, kid? And I said, it depends on you, you know? But I was okay. I, I didn't mess with anybody unless they messed with me first. Right. Yeah. So it was, you know, <laughs> it's, it's fun when you're getting those good ones like that. Because all that man wanted to explode. And you know, you just know how much it has to kill somebody inside to, to, to admit to defeat and to ask for please, you know. <laughs> but Mike Rotundo's been in those shoes. Mike Davis has been in those shoes. Jake the Snake Roberts has been in those shoes. <laughs> this has been a lot of them. Please don't mess with me no more. Sam, no. <laughs> uh, we saw you, speaking of when you worked on Vince, Mark and I, we were kids. We were 11, 12 years old. Uh, June 12, 1988, we were in uh-huh. Dubois, Pennsylvania against Bret Hart. Um, main event was Ken Patera and Dino Bravo, but you and Bret, I, I think Mark would agree, Stole you guys saw the show that night. Um, Bret wins with the pile driver. And after uh-huh. the pile driver, you're down for a while, and then you start to walk back towards the locker room, and you're holding your neck, and you kind of teeter off. And bam, you just take a, a face right into the wall. And the fans are murmuring like, oh, geez, I think the kid's got a weak neck. I think Brett really hurt him with that pile driver. Um, you know, it's a moment that stands out to this day, 30 some years later for, for Mark and myself. Is that the decision that, that you make? Like, I want to give these people their money's worth. Or is there someone telling you, listen, we're pushing Brett. You better make him look like a million bucks. But no, you know what it is for me. I, OK, um, I'm going to go out there. Okay, uh, when I started wrestling, this this was my passion. This is my dream, and I tell this to the new guys now. I see them get in the ring, and they're just like half-ass working out. And I'm like, man, you need. I, I used to have to drive 250 miles down the road. I, then I'd have to put the ring up, all right? Then I would have 30 or 45 minutes to work out, and usually by myself or if I had a helper or something like that get them in there and try to, you know, wrestle around with somebody, you know, or, you know, and then I had to like uh, do the show and I had to, you know, keep time, uh, tear the ring down, load and then drive it back 250 miles. I mean, um, they look at being in the ring a whole lot different for, for me, for me, every opportunity that I could get in the ring. Wow. What a blessing. You know what I mean? Yeah. These guys now, they just want to half-ass do it and get by and call themselves a wrestler. Well, they don't have a passion for it. You know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go one step further and give it my best. And I'll tell you where I got this from. Um, me and Baby Doll walked into the uh, uh, arena in Greensboro. And Terry Funk was laid out on one of those tables back in the back. And I said, what's wrong, Terry? He said, well, Sam, I've got a fractured hip. I was like, and you're going to work? He said, you know, these people paid to see me tonight. I'm not going to let them down. And he went in there and turned in a 40-minute match with Flair doing moonsaults off the top rope. You know, and I made a decision in, in my life, right? That, you know, then I, you know, I'm going to be one of those tape up and go guys. You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to let nothing hold me back. 
You know, I'm going to give it. I got, got every night I got. So I'm coming back from the ring one night in Pennsylvania, in uh, Philadelphia. And Paul Ellering was standing on the stage and it comes through the curtain. He says, Sam, he goes, he said, yeah, I just love watching your matches. I said, really? I'm glad. Thanks. He said, you always go that one step further. He said, people believe in you. So you always go that one step further. Well, that's something that I had with me all through my career until I got, well, 91 to really, I got lost in, uh, I, I ended up with partial paralysis. I, my, my marriage ended. Uh, I got, I, I became a real bad alcoholic. I drank, uh, you know, anywhere from one to three fists a day of liquor every day for damn near 19 years, you know, uh, you know, and, and and I was, and I, I never could get it right. I never could understand it was the the what was hurting me. So there was a time in there from '91. Now I went out uh, to California, and this doctor worked on me out there, Doctor Schaffner. And then I came to Atlanta to visit my dad, and I ran into this big Indian fellow, Charlie Norris. You know, and uh, Charlie goes, hey, you're Sam Houston. I said, yeah. He said, do you remember me? I said, no. He said, you whipped my ass about four years ago for my WWF debut. I was like, ooh, gosh, the guy wants to fight. He said, no, he helped me with my dad. And then he started, uh, he asked me to start working out with him at the training center, uh, WCW's power plant. And we've been working out for like three months. Uh, I was taking care of my dad, getting out of the hospital. He had, had, had to have his stomach removed, staph infection, and ended up with the whole nine yards. So anyway, I was having to uh, take care of my dad, and uh, I was working out with Charlie. And one, one night he told me, he said, you need to be back in there. I said, no. I said, Charlie, my career is over. You know, I injured myself and then I got the, the doctor got me back on my feet. And then I was in the Northridge earthquake and I re-injured myself and I was down for another six months because where I was, I was in Calabasas, California, right there by Malibu. And those ain't uh, just, you know, paper mache doors on people's condos and houses out there. And after an earthquake, you got to get people out. So we were knocking, I was knocking doors down and getting people out of their places. Uh, and I hurt myself and this doctor worked on me for another six months. Well, I told Charlie my career was over and he said, no, dude. He said, man, he goes, I'm three inches taller than you. I'm 65 pounds heavier than you. I'm giving you everything I got when we get in the ring and I can't do anything with you. He said, you need to be back in there. And I decided, well, I, I'd give it a shot. It was a tag team situation, you know, and then uh, WCW was going to do some stuff with me. And I went to Jim Barnett with me and Charlie idea of uh, us tagging up. And then the next thing, Charlie's tagging up with Dustin and everything. So I, I, they had me in singles and that wasn't what I was looking for. So, you know, I packed up, went back, back out to California when Charlie, uh, Charlie, I left WCW. We hooked up, and then we went to we went to Japan five times. Uh, Australia. We were in New Guinea. You know, we did a lot of things, a lot of good stuff here in the states on the independent levels. Yeah, Sam, you said at the beginning of this, or maybe even when we were pre-talking, that you've been around the world pretty much nine times, just doing what, eight times. Like eight times. Well, I'm going to give you one yeah. more for the hell of it. 
Yeah, just you know, just for the heck of it, you know. I got to open up for the Who twice at the Houston Astrodome and Reunion Arena for their show at Texas Stadium. You know? Wow. Yeah, I had guess what? I was I was just laughing about this the other day. All right, WrestleMania four. Does everybody remember? The only thing that made me run was when Liberace come in the dressing room and wanted to meet the boys. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I just think about that the other day. Yeah, I see some pretty strange stuff, you know. But yeah, I ran over when he was coming all over. Vanna White gave everybody her book, which is really nice, but I think everybody left their book there except for one man gang. <laughs> but everybody else left it. Wow. Oh. John. But you know, at a time you think you're on top of the world, you know? Right. But you know, real freedom is when you know when you when you serve the master, when you figure when you finally figure out it ain't all about you, it's about what you can do for your brothers and sisters, how you can help them, you know, how to ease somebody else's burden. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bring joy to people, you know? And if I can do that, and if I can entertain people with my stories, and if I can, you know, because I, like I said, you know, I've done, I've done everything. Yeah, I, I'm the I'm the guy that, you know, see, I was sitting in the, in, in the mountains in New Mexico. I told Baby Doll one day at 2.30 in the afternoon, I said, see that mountain over there? I'm going to climb that mountain, mountain. Man, you know, that was Alabama. <laughs> and then we went and did it. Yeah, that was uh, Alabama. That was an Alabama song. Playing yeah, I know. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was sitting there in, in New Mexico and I figured I'm going to go climb that mountain, mountain. And I did. I climbed that mountain. I got to tell you, I had a bear encounter and I was taken off with it. With uh, I, It was it was me and Nicola and it was this bear. And this bear was about, I don't know, 100 yards away. Big black and going back and forth in the road. Because we had seen a bear on the other peak when we got to the top of the mountain. So I see this big figure in the road, and I know it's the bear. And all I got is a fishing knife, a pocket knife that we've been cleaning fish with because we were trout fishing every day. So I told her, I said, here's the the rental car, the truck keys. We had a four-wheel drive. I said, you get down the mountain to the to the truck as fast as you can. She goes, where are you going to be? I said, I'll be right behind you. And then she looked up and she saw it and she was like, Oh gosh. And she takes off running through the, uh, through the, uh, foliage and everything starts making all this noise. I see these two eyes, green eyes glowing in the dark. And I see that like it turned and was following her. And I was like, Oh no. Cause we had just gotten married. So, oh, no, I reach in my back pocket and I wore those tight Levi's jeans in and the knife hooked on the pocket and fell on my ground, on the ground. So I reached down to pick it up and when I reached down, I saw the head move back and the green eyes come back to me, focusing on me. And I opened that pocket knife up. Boy, and I took off running. I was hollering with everything he had. And the Almighty changed that bear into a cow that last 20 yards. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, I was going to fight a bear. <laughs> of course you were. Of course you yeah. were. Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned 
baby doll. I wanted to ask a couple of questions. We had her on the show, uh, I guess maybe a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talked about, maybe this is two different instances because I'm hearing two different stories. She talked about getting released from, from Jim Crockett promotions because you were working for Vince and they felt it was a conflict of interest. And then I also come across a story where they let her go because the guy sent her to a restaurant and she didn't pick up the food. And so they fired you and her. Are those both true? Are they different times? Uh, different times. I think, I think, I, I, I think the first time I don't think that was a firing issue. That's just, I lost it. I lost it. The, I guess some of the prestige with the office that, that I'd had, uh, and, but you know she's she wasn't she was a main eventer like I said before she was a main eventer just like anybody else you know uh, if they wanted food they could go to Simon Malone's and get it anyway they were going to drink anyway you know um, and shoot if what I did was wrong for standing up for somebody first of all at the time she was my wife second of all she's not anybody else's you know uh, servant. She's the main event in her own self. I mean, come on, you don't think the great American Bash did so great, you know, with would have done as great without the baby doll Jim Cornette thing. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, come on. You know, get give her give her her props. Give her her respect. And that's all I tried to do ever was standing up for her. And that yeah, they might have felt it was a conflict of interest uh when I was working for WWF and she was working for WCW. Um, you know, uh, ooh. but then again, you know, she, she got pregnant, she got pregnant with Micah and we had made the decision then too, but that was shortly after she left WCW, she got pregnant, you know, well, but work. She, uh, um, Sam's telling us about, uh, baby doll how she was a main event herself. When you think of Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair, and she put she was in Dusty's corner, but she put Flair's foot on the bottom rope. I mean that that that's what sticks with the fans. It's that one to moment. This day. <clears throat> yeah. 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 But she had so many of those moments, you know? I mean, when she was a security guard, you know, when she showed up in the ring in Greensboro with the wig on and the security guard outfit. I mean, she did a lot of great stuff with it in this business and for this business. Right. You know, do you know uh, she was? You know, she used to take uh, fan letters, letters that women, you know, that had been going through hard times and stuff. She used to take that on the air and read those. You know, well, th- that's giving people a voice, and that's exactly what she did. You know, and she deserves any high honor she can get. Yeah, she does. She right. does. You know, um. John wants to talk about your GWF time a little bit. You, you all right hanging on for a little bit longer, Sam? Yeah, uh, but we're going to have to wrap it up because yeah. Um, yeah. my girl's got dinner uh, going for me. Oh, okay. nice. So we're going to come over question. then real quick. Just, just you... <laughs> Go ahead. Question, but just you teaming up with um, – you working with Rock and Robin and Baby Doll in the GWF. Kind of a short-lived promotion, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Well, I, I don't think I didn't know Robin. Uh, I didn't think Robin worked there. I don't think I don't remember Robin working in the GWF. Robin did the five star thing with me. Maybe that's what it was. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Baby Doll did GWF. You know, uh, but the only uh, the only other time besides Vince, Robin and I worked worked together 
uh, was for five stoner. Okay. You, know? you were wrong, John. Good job. No. I, well, yeah, you know, it all starts to mesh together after all these years. <laughs> Sam, uh, before we let you go, though, I want to let you um, have a platform one more time. Tell everybody what you're doing to – I know you're out helping people with houses and doing, like, more charitable work like you, you we talked about. And are you going to be popping up at any place like um, WrestleCade this year or anything like that? Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be at the gathering coming up. I'd like to be at WrestleCade. Um, I'm definitely going to look into that. Uh, but uh, to be really honest with you, you know, um, I've had guys behind me or, you know, people that were helping me do things. When I got out of prison, nobody helped me find out about any of the these uh, uh, meet and greets or the thing. I had to do all that on my own. And I'm not, you know, I went to jail and we're just coming out with flip phones. I come out of jail and you got a whole computer in your hand. You know what I mean? So that was a whole big thing. And, and I've just now put my crew of all of my most all of beloved friends and, and, and family uh, that are helping me, you know, put things together. That's why, like, Kim Austin is doing such a great job with Will Knight. And, you know, everybody's coming together. Robin Kurtz helping out, you know, putting together something good and to make it easier for me for my bookings and stuff. Right. Because I, you know, like I said, I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I go, I see something needs doing, and I go get it done. I mean, I built a ramp the other day for a 75-year-old man and his 95-year-old mom. Their house was on like three foot off the ground on pier and beam suspension, you know. Right. And he's got to take her in a wheelchair. We, you know, he, he was couldn't do that on the steps. The ramp ended up having to be 32 foot long because you can only drop an inch per foot, wow. you know. Wow. So, but but a couple of the neighbors went and uh, uh, bought all the materials, and then I showed up, and two guys stayed there and helped me build it. And I built that ramp, and I built them two other ramps. Uh, there's, gosh, I've been doing some things through the churches here, helping people out, or repair their homes and stuff. But in doing this, this has also let my business start to flourish too because now the uh a lady that or she i guess designs rooms for this airbnb company and stuff like that so now they've got me going and doing a room at a time you know so it's pretty cool nice but yeah uh but the the, the wrestling is my passion yeah you know yeah, Sam, uh, it's been great having you on Can Crushers. I love to dive into more stories. Uh, stop by anytime you want. We will we will help. We'll promote as much as you want us to help because you were our childhood. Uh, I think at WWF, like John said, when we think of that Dubois, you were what we remember on that card selling that pile driver. And my mom oh, yeah. and my mom, God rest her soul. Thought you were so damn cute. So knowing that I'm talking, <laughs> knowing that I'm talking with you today, thank you. She just—I hope she's smiling in heaven because man, oh, you know she is. You, yeah. you know she is. Hey, well, y'all take care and thank you for having me on. Join Fan Nation, Sam Houston Fan Nation, and could keep updated on anything. And yeah, guys, if you if you want to get me back, give my uh, give my manager Will or Kimberly either one a holler. 
Okay. All right. Thank you so much, sir. This was awesome. We appreciate it. Uh-huh. Mark, um, this interview kind of hit all points, um, you know, highs and lows. And obviously the wrestling stories are a lot of fun. The, the road trips, um, the legend of Andre the Giant's uh, ability to just put away the beer. Um, two! But, two! Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as good as Andre Sam was. You know, before before we get to this, how good are Sam Houston's impressions? Holy cow! Right? I, I mean, you do a, a mean Vince McMahon, but right. his Andre was unbelievable. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and his Terry Funk was his really Terry good. Terry Funk was... I thought we actually were talking to Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah. I thought his Dusty was great, which, you know... People imitate Dusty Rhodes. That doesn't mean it's a great imitation, but Dusty's a little easier to imitate. Boy, Sam had Terry's cadence and kind of a bit of a high pitch voice down to a T. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. This was a fun interview. But go ahead. I, I know where you're yeah, going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was also very raw and and very real. And uh, Sam has uh, had some battles. And the good news is it looks like he's won them all, really. Uh, he continues to, to push forward and fight, but he has won them all. Depression, alcoholism, drugs. Um, he was that close, uh, as we heard, to, to not being with us anymore uh, on a number of occasions. And unfortunately, one of those times was almost, you know, by his own hand. But as we heard, it was a different hand that made sure he stayed with us uh, a good while longer. Yeah, uh, he won those battles, and, and that's awesome. Guys, we didn't get to really talk about, he's got a song on YouTube called Salvation. Make sure you check that out as well, along with all the websites that Sam was talking about. And, John, we need to have him back on. We didn't dive into matches legitimately. I'd love to ha talk matches. His daughters in wrestling. I, this lineage is going stronger is getting stronger and stronger right. um and, and he made reference uh to one thing and once it airs i think this would be another great talking point um the dark side of the ring is coming up about his family yeah yeah so, um and he was already more than generous with his time um i think if, if supper had not been ready we could have kept sam on probably for another hour uh, without a doubt, without a yeah. doubt. So, um, I, I I hope he was all right with me inviting us down to eat. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah. we we have to get in your Lear jet to get down there real quick, though, because <laughs> mine does not have any gas right now. So, the gathering, Charlotte, North Carolina. That would be yeah. something awesome. We'll look into yeah. that, huh? Yes, sir. We will. All right, John. I love you, but remember, just because you're trash, it doesn't mean you can't do great things. It's called a garbage can, not a garbage cannot. <laughs>